prepare a sermon, you know, you think all week about what you want to talk about. And uh, you plan it all and all that thing, you think you know what you're doing. Uh, and then something like uh, what happened yesterday occurs in the world, and how can you ignore it, right? It's an impossibility to ignore, and we shouldn't ignore it. Another terrible event in the, in the world, um, in a world that uh, has unfortunately too many terrible events going on. And so it can really, I don't know, bring you down, can it? Uh, take something out of you, even though it's happening 6,000 miles away or wherever it may be. We all feel that, uh, we all feel their pain that's happened to us, and so we know uh, on a more first-hand level how the people of France must be feeling today. I think it might be wise for us just to take a moment and just pray for them right now before we get into our talk this morning. So Lord our God, I do, I lift up the people of France today uh, who have suffered a, a terrible uh, a terrible crime. Uh, innocent folk who going out on an evening when they thought uh, they were just there to have a good time, not looking to harm any others or themselves uh, undone. Oh, Father, our God, uh, the world seems to be spinning out of control, and uh, we just need you to help us. Show us the way. In the meantime, O oh Lord, comfort them. And may those who have been the perpetrators of this crime be brought to justice. We pray these things, B'Shem Yeshua. So I was thinking about that uh, last night, you know, after my sermon was written and all, you know. But then I thought, well, you know, what I want to talk about has everything to do with what happened last night. I decided that it's been a long time since I've read through and uh, really looked at the letter to the Romans by the Apostle Paul. And I thought we would take some time over the next few weeks, month. Actually, uh, Martin Luther took five years to go through the, the letter to the Romans. I don't think I'll take five years, but, but maybe a, a little bit of time. And interestingly enough, this morning, uh, I saw the cover of the New York Times magazine. I wanted to put it up. It's only going to show over here. But if uh, Josh could put that up for us. I just want to show you this cover now. Unfortunately, you can't see it very well, but what is it? A little pinwheel with uh, the center saying, the future is what? And then it has a whole lot of crazy choices on there. Is it going to be a utopia? Is it a mystery? Is it going to be filled with violence? Is, you know, all these crazy things that might happen in the world. Who knows? And the whole issue, of course, is going to examine what futurists are saying about the future of our world. What are our possibilities, I guess? That's, what we, that's how we're feeling right now, many people. We're feeling like it, it's, it's a, a shot in the dark. You just spin the wheel and, you know, whatever happens is going to happen. And that's what makes us feel kind of, you know, like the, the little rumbly in the stomach, you know, out of feeling a little out of control, feeling uh, shaky about things. 
But is that the way we should feel as the children of God? In spite of what's happening in the world. Yeah, there's bad guys. There's always been bad guys. There will always be bad guys right up until the end. The question is, what will those people who are good do? What will we stand for? And what will we not stand? That's the question. So we can be all worried about and get ourselves all tied into a knot about these nihilists who want to you know, eliminate, the, just want to watch the world burn. I mean, that's pretty much what they want to see. Or we can stand for the things of God. And if we do, we will prevail. And interestingly enough, you know, whenever you read a book of the Bible, you know, there are many different ways to do that. You know, we call them reading strategies, you know, those of us who study these things. And I'd like us to consider a particular reading strategy, at least for the portion we're going to look at today and maybe for the rest of the book, which is what I consider to be Paul's, what Paul is driving at from the beginning of the book. He wrote this letter to the Roman people of his day, a place that he had never been, by the way. He didn't really know these people. He might have known a few people in the group, but he'd never been to Rome. And he wanted to introduce himself and to share with them some important things about God. And he wanted to do it because he had heard that there were certain disturbing tendencies that were going on in the, in, in the Roman congregation, particularly in the relationship between the Gentiles who were part of that group and the Jewish people who were part of that group. He wanted to straighten some of that out. So there are lots of issues that he addresses, all of which tie together into a nice, neat little ball if you, if you can make it out in the, <laughs> in the depth of Paul's thinking. Things about the meaning of salvation, which we call soteriology. The, who are the people of God? Ecclesiology, another big term. And of course, the person and the work of Messiah Yeshua. Another big term, Christology. So all of these are things that Paul addresses in this letter, but he addresses them within a, within a framework that I would like for us to explore. So we're going to look at the first few verses of the, of the letter. If you have a Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 1 and follow along. I didn't put them up on slides. I'll read some of this for you. And we're going to stop right at the first verse for a moment. In which it says, Paul, a bondservant of Messiah Yeshua, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. So I want to talk about this gospel thing and what it might mean. You see, it has everything to do with that pinwheel up there. You know, generally speaking, you know, you talk to somebody about what's the gospel. It's something about good news. It's something about good news, you know, that Jesus uh, saves me from sin and I get to go to heaven. Something along those lines. But is that really what it's all about? But let's, let's see. So Paul uses this term gospel. And its usage comes from a portion in the book of Isaiah, in the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 52. 
And it reads like this. It says, Manavu al-haharim raglei mi veser. Mi veser. Which means, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. But it goes on to say, Masmiya shalom mi basar baser tov. Uh, the one who announces peace and brings good news of happiness. And it goes on to say, Masmiya Yeshua, the one who brings salvation, or maybe the one who is salvation. Hmm? And it goes on to say, Omer Letzion, Malak Elohayik, and says to Zion, your God reigns. So let's talk about what the, what the, you know what the gospel is. The gospel is the kingdom of God. And all that that entails. Not just my sorry little soul going to heaven. It's about that whole pinwheel. All the things that we concern ourselves about. All the bad guys in the world. It's about the kingdom of God reigning now. Not only in the future, but right now. And friends, we, the world needs the good news right now more than it ever did. More than at any time ever in the history of the world, we need the good news. Because we are spinning out of control. Interestingly enough, you know, I, I've been away for a couple of weeks. We went on a uh, I want, I'd like to publicly say good uh, thanks to Jewish Voice uh, uh, Ministries International who sponsored this uh, cruise that we all went on. We had Jewish, Messianic Jewish people from all over the world in all phases of the Messianic Jewish community, congregational leaders and missionaries and people from Israel and educators. It was awesome. I can't imagine what it cost JVMI to put it on, but it was really glorious. And I'd like to thank them because they sponsored it to help us to relax. And they brought a guy in who was uh, there to teach us about how to manage stress and burnout and things like that. And uh, the first night, he painted a picture of the world which had me taking, you know, pills to go to sleep. <laughs> you know, it was so crazy. And then he's, he's a, an MD, but he also has a PhD in physics. So he has a lot of knowledge up there in his brain of his. And he was quantifying all the bad things that are going on in the world. And he says, if you think I'm, not, what I've described to you is only the tip of the iceberg. I mean, I'm like, holy cow, we're, you know, the world is about to explode. And I don't even know it. And then he spent the next three days telling us how to, you know, talking us off the ledge. You know, how to manage it all in a world that's, you know, frankly, a little bit of a tiger by the tail. But through it all, it, what, what, what makes the difference for me is the knowledge that God is in control and God is the king of the kingdom. And the good news is about the kingdom of God. That is what is going to settle all of these issues. 
And we are part of that kingdom, and we have to live it out, and we have to spread that news to people. We have to offer a hope to the world that they do not have in the world itself. Not even with all of their governments. Look at that. You know, six guys with guns just blows up a whole government. Twelve guys with planes just blows this whole economy into tatters. Change the world forever. We can't trust them, but we can trust the Holy One. And so Paul says to us, I've been set apart for this news. I have to get this news out to the world. Because that's the gospel. The gospel is God, your God reigns. And we have to live it out. And it's, and it's all about God's faithfulness. Today we read earlier about these two brothers, Jacob and Esau. And, you know, David said, gee, you know, whenever I read that story, it's a little unfair. I, I, you know, on the surface, it looks a little unfair. You have to uncover all the ins and outs, and you discover why it's not unfair. But it looks unfair. But we're given a hint in the portion from Romans that we read. It's God's choice, not ours. It's the one, him. And, it's, and everything is dependent on God, not on me, not on you. And that's what Paul is trying to tell us. It's about the faithfulness of God to bring about what he said he would. That's the gospel. Now there are promises. Look what it says in the second, uh, second verse. It says, this is a, the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets... In the holy in the holy uh, in the holy scriptures, concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. So this is about a promise or promises that God Himself made to all of us, especially to the Jewish people. We see these things outlined in the book of Acts in the second chapter. When Peter stands up on the day of, Holoc- uh, of, of uh, Shavuot to speak to the people, and he says, listen, brothers and sisters, this, this one, Yeshua, is the one through whom God fulfilled all of his promises to Israel. If, and he will continue to fulfill those promises to him. The promises made to the patriarchs that God would restore Israel that there would be a resurrection from the dead. That God would establish his kingdom. Yeshua is the king of that kingdom. And that through him he would pour out the Holy Spirit on all of his people. This, these are the promises that God made to us through the patriarchs. And so it's about him. It's about his faithfulness. It's about his choice. He goes on to say in verse 4 about these promises, he said, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead according to the spirit of holiness, Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. That we have the resurrection in store. You know, listen, yesterday... I have to go and visit our brother Tibor, and I'm hope I'm praying for his recovery. It's a hard thing 
to walk into a room. You know, a guy like me, whenever I go to visit the sick people, visit sick, sick folks, I want to be able to talk to them. I want to be able to share with them the comfort of God. How do you do that with a man who cannot hear you? It's really, you know, it's tough. It's hard to do. But I had to give it a try to help him to understand that what he is going through, however it turns out, is not the end. That we have a promise greater than that. That we have to rely upon. Otherwise, we will always live in fear, people. The older you get, the, more, the closer you get to the fear, by the way. But that should be the least, the, worst, the least of our worries. Because we have, the, we have this promise of the resurrection, which is guaranteed to us through Messiah Yeshua. And because he rose, we will rise. That's why he rose. He didn't have to die. But to demonstrate the power of God in him, he rose from the dead. And we have to rely on that to have the strength, the power to move on in a world that is crushing us with death all over. This is the work of the evil one who wants to beat us down and say, that's the end. I can end this with a word. No, you can't. Because we already won that war in Messiah Yeshua. And that's about God's faithfulness. I didn't do anything to make Yeshua rise from the dead. Did you? No. That was the power of God. There was no doctor there pumping on his chest. No. He goes on to say, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. This is Paul's job. You know, one of the things we have to understand is, as if we're going to really and truly understand the letter to the Romans, is to understand this statement. I mean, the most important thing he, ever sa- he says in the whole letter is right here in these first couple of verses. Otherwise, the rest of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's why he's saying, look, you know, I received grace and an apostleship. God saw in me the one who could do this job. And he gave me the grace to do it. You know, there are volumes, by the way, written about Paul and his conversion, you know. What happened to him on the road to, to Damascus. And you can, The best thing you can do about it is to read the first chapter of Galatians and a couple of sections of the book of Acts where he talks about it. Because all these idiots who talk about it, they don't know what they're talking about. He knows what he was doing. He knows what happened to him. So listen to him. And he tells us precisely what happened. I was on the road to Damascus, and guess what? The Messiah was risen from the dead. No wonder I changed my mind. I was working for the wrong team. No conversion. Just a call. And you know what? Every single one of us has received that same call, whether you feel so or not. 
not just me or some of those missionary friends of mine who are on that boat. Every single one of us who are part of the kingdom of God has, it, has the same call on us. To, to deliver good news. Listen, Omer Letzion Malak Elohaik. Say to Zion, your God reigns. Say it. It's part of what, who and what we are. We need to offer the world a better choice. And he says, listen, here's my job. I got to help to bring the nations into the obedience of that. It's not just for Israel. It's for the whole world. The kingdom of God is not limited to some small little country in the Middle, uh, Middle East. No. It's the whole world. Everything. Verse 6 and following, he says this, he says, Among whom you all also are the called of Messiah Yeshua. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, called, uh, uh, called as saints. Called as saints. You know, when Paul uses this term saints in his letters, you've got to understand what he's doing. He is including everybody in his in-group. You know what I'm saying? He uses this term very often because for him... Israel are the chosen ones of God. And now he's including all of those who have come to know Messiah Yeshua in that same, same club, if you will. So he tells us that it's, now it's about how, what will we do? What will our faithfulness mean? This is the part that we can play, we can do, and we can bring by giving people hope. That's what we're about. I mean, we can't get it done. Understand something. Not about my faith. It's about his faithfulness, as we'll learn in the future. But where I can be faithful is to help to give others hope in a world that's quickly losing all of its hope. Can we do that? Can we be faithful in the face of all that we see? Even though it looks like it's not working out. Even though it looks like the bad guys are winning. You know, because on a night like last night, you know, right? It looks like the bad guys are winning, right? They're not even close to winning. Only if we allow them. See? Only if we... If they, if they make us change who we are, do they win? Only if they can strip from us our hope in the world to come, do they win. Only if they make us bad guys like them, do they win. And we can't allow that to happen. We have to continue to build the kingdom of God again and again and again, preparing the world for the coming of the king. When he comes, 
he will wipe that all away with a wave of his hand. And we know that more and more, I, I, I was talking with Jean this week. She was just there in Israel and she was talking to folks on the ground and it encourages me to hear that Israelis everywhere are looking for the Messiah. They know he's the only answer to the problems they have because they can't solve it no matter what happens. It just keeps compounding. And they know that there's only, only the divine answer will be the answer that works. And so Paul begins this letter by saying, listen, I'm going to talk to you guys about the kingdom. What it is, how it works, what we can look forward to, and how each of us participates in it. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at that together. And I hope it will give us the impetus to be active members of the kingdom of God as we move forward so that we can bring hope to a world that is in desperate need of hope. Let's pray for the coming of the kingdom of God. Holy One of Israel, Lord, we pray that your kingdom might come, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. We say this prayer. May that be soon, speedily, in our day, O God. We know that that is the end game. And because we know that, we can live today in confidence. Not waiting for tomorrow. Not longing for the past. But in this moment, in this time, right now, to have hope. Not only hope, but confidence. That you, O oh God, will win in the end. We have your promises. And we will hold you to your promises. Because you are a God of faithfulness. You do not falter. You do not give in. You never give up. Nor should we. Help us, O oh God. Save us and we will be saved. And may we declare... To Zion, behold, your God reigns. Amen.